Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I am your host of Yoga Birth Babies, and today we are doing a community birth story. This one is really special to me. So when things started to go online back in March, I had a student pop up, Lena. And she continued to come to class pretty much every day. And I watched her go through a lot of her pregnancy for about three and a half months. And she was there literally four or five times a week. And even though we were on Zoom and we never met face to face, I felt like I got to know her and I really like her. So when she had her baby, I thought, all right, I want a community birth story. I want to hear the perspective of birthing during COVID. She had a home birth. I wanted to hear about that. So this is Lena's birth story. I'll just give you a little bit about her. So Lena is the proud new mother of her daughter, Ava. She's a native New Yorker and fifth generation Chinese American. She was born and raised in Manhattan's Chinatown. After 12 years away, she found her way back to New York in 2016, where she met her husband. Professionally, Lena works at Google, focusing on strategy development and emerging products. In her free time, you can find her working weekend shifts at her family's 95-year-old porcelain shop. Oh, I got to get down there when I get back into the city. Adventuring outdoors with her husband or training for her next weightlifting competition. I'm telling you, Lena's really, really fantastic. And she's got such a great outlook on birth. She had a fantastic birth and some of the ways she describes how her body opened during birth is just so poetic and beautiful. So I think you're going to really enjoy that. Before we get to that conversation, I want to give a shout out. People are leaving just the most wonderful reviews. This one came from Apple Podcast. It says, my go-to. I'm a full-time mom and this has been my go-to podcast for advice, direction, and calm. I so appreciate Deb's positive and soothing voice. Thank you. (laughs) This woman clearly was meant to be a gifted podcaster and yoga teacher and the variety of topics and guests she brings on. It's been so helpful as I navigate my growing belly and worried mind throughout my pregnancy to have tools and insights that are so needed. Thank you. Well, thank you. I really, I really appreciate your time and effort. And if someone hasn't left a rating or review, please go and do so. It helps people find the podcast. Last few little comments. Remember, as I mentioned, I met Lena online. We have all our classes online. We've got our prenatal yoga, seven days a week live stream and re-releases. We've got postnatal, we've got baby and me. We've got childbirth education because no matter what's going on in the world, you're still going to have that baby. We still need to support you. Um, Breastfeeding, caring for a newborn, all of that is available online. So check that out. And since the studio is not open yet and we have no idea when it's going to open in New York City. We do have a donation button, so feel free to head over to Prenatal Yoga Center and leave a donation. We are also setting up a donation or scholarship for our teacher trainings, which have just burst open. I can't believe now that they're online, it is amazing to have so many people from all over being able to attend. But we do have a special uh, scholarship program set up for uh B-I-P-O-C scholarship. So if you are a black indigenous person of color, we want you to be part of this. We know that's an underserved population and we really want you to be part of our teacher training. So check that out. We have a donation for that. So if you want to support that, please head to our website and leave a donation for that because we're really excited to start this scholarship. All right. I think I said everything. Oh, last thing. Teacher training, as I mentioned, first open. The early fall is full with a wait list, a long, lengthy wait list. The next one in November and December... 
people are already signing up. I think we have about five spots already taken out of 15. So sign up. And I only announced that maybe two weeks ago. All right. So sign up. And if you want to be part of our newsletter, go to our website that we can be in touch with everything. All right. I know I've talked enough. Now we want to hear Lena talk. So we're going to take a super quick break. When we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Lena. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Lena, I am so excited to speak with you. I have missed seeing you in class. Yay. I'm so glad you're going to share your, your, your birth story. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks, Deb. I very much miss uh, class and, and seeing everybody daily as well. It's been kind of crazy because there's a small group of you guys that immediately jumped into class that have now given birth. In the last couple of weeks, I think you were the first and Jen went soon thereafter. And Melissa, I just got an email this morning, had her baby. And what I can say is I'm so proud that all of you guys had really functional births. Like, <laughs> I'm incredibly proud, slightly jealous because as my son's birthday is on Saturday, I was talking to my husband this morning. I'm like, well, I started on the 9th and had him on the 11th. And I get all these emails from you guys. And I'm like, oh. I wish I had their births, but I'm thrilled that, that I could support you through it. So thank you yeah. for sharing your story. <laughs> well, it's a testament, I think, to, um, you know, the teaching and the methodology of PYC and also just the awareness and consciousness that you bring to everybody in class about our bodies, really. Well, it's from that challenge that the PYC methodology was born. So I guess that is that works. So, all right. I feel like I know you because I had seen you, I don't know, like four or five times a week, which has been, which was really a joy. You always brought such calmness, even when you would like complain something hurts. You didn't really complain. You were just like, I don't know, you just have a, a calmness that I'm like, I like her. I like that person. And then it also cracked me up when you're like, yeah, my dad brought over a bolster. I'm ready. And I'm like, like, I like this lady. All right. So I feel like yeah. I know you a bit. If you could just give me a little bit about your background so that the community understands who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am now a proud mom of a three-week-old daughter. My daughter, Ava, was born um, on June 15th. Um, And so that's first and foremost um, what's been my primary, if you want to call it, title. Um, But I'm a New York City native, a fifth-generation Chinese-American that grew up in Chinatown in Manhattan. Um, Super proud of our New York roots. Um, We're or my entire family is all still here in New York. Um, uh, and we're here to stay. So through thick and thin, um, even through COVID, it's it's been a challenge, I do have to say. But it's been um, great to see the city being uh, so resilient and also um, sticking to their guns on a lot of uh, the precautionary measures that we're taking um, to keep everybody safe. Um, Let's just take a moment yeah. to honor that. Yay for New York. Um, I, York <laughs> even absolutely. though I was not born there, I moved there soon after, I mean, literally days after I graduated college and just left a couple years ago, but I still feel like a New Yorker at heart. I was there for 9-11. I know you were too. And to see the resilience is, it's something pretty amazing. Yeah. I don't think that um, people necessarily... Um, correlate community with New York City, but there are definitely um, deep roots and strong communities and pockets of the city, whether it be with Prenatal Yoga Center, um, you know, in Chinatown or in others. I think um, New Yorkers really stick together through thick and thin. So proud to say that I'm from here, still here, uh, currently living in Brooklyn with my husband and my daughter. Um, we're super big fans of, uh, enjoying the outdoors. So that's something that we're going to try to introduce to Ava, uh, when we can, (laughs) we do a lot of backcountry camping and scuba diving. You do scuba diving. Oh, I used to do that too. It's one of the most, I found it one of the most amazing things. It felt like flying, like you're, you're, you're horizontal moving. (laughs) 
it's, yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> I knew there's a reason um, I liked you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And requires a lot of like body awareness yes. too. Um, so I think that just goes in the vein of uh, everything that that we'll be talking about today. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing about yourself. I know a bit about your birth story. And before we get to the details, how about we just talk a little bit about what influenced your birth choices? Uh, absolutely. Um, I would say that I'm on the later end of uh, some of my friends who have been pregnant and have had children and started um, making or their family making journeys. Um, so a lot of the informal research I did was just talking to them about um, what their experiences were like and trying to put myself in their shoes to see if I would be comfortable um, in the same situations. Um, I have, or a majority of all of my friends have had hospital births with the exception of one who has had a home birth. Um, and when my friend who had a home birth, um, went through that process, I was fascinated primarily because it harkened back to a time where I was like 10 or 11 years old. Um, and my mom had a, a yoga instructor that she was very close with. And we went to visit her in Brooklyn. God, that was decades ago. Um, but she had had a home birth at that point in time. So I'm now realizing and chatting with you that, you know, home birth has, has been in my consciousness, uh, since I was a kid actually. Um, and then kind of was revisited when my friend, um, gave birth at home. So in putting myself in friend's shoes who had hospital births and then hearing about what a home birth was like and how, how, uh, different the experiences were in comparison. Um, I kind of went down that path, um, in terms of research and exploration. I also have, uh, two very close friends who are midwives, um, and practicing in New York city, um, not in their own practice, but, um, in hospitals as well. And really just, um, started digging deeper into what that experience might be like and what it could be like. Um, and that kind of was just a launching pad into uh, a depth of uh, reading um, and watching documentaries and kind of getting myself up to speed on on what this could look mm -hmm. like, um, acknowledging the risks. I have a, a very close friend who is an anesthesiologist who was uh, vehemently against <laughs> my home birth choice. She was very respectful in bringing up her her opinions and even later in the game, but just, you know, things to consider in terms of risks, um, and precautions. Um, so I think I had a fairly, uh, you know, well-rounded group of people who, you know, had opinions and stories to share. Um, and, and they shared those respectfully. Um, and, and from there, I, I kind of made my choices from that. I think one of the things that we talk about in class a couple of things that I want to kind of go over from what you said. First of all, thank you um, for sharing is that it's really important to think where you feel safest. And if you feel safest, not in a hospital, then you think about a home birth. And then the other side is someone may hear that, like your friend that's an anesthesiologist, that would not be her choice because that's not where she feels safest. So I think that's exactly. when someone thinks about where it's where you're going to feel, because we know when you feel safest, your body can really go with the hormones that are needed. If you're feeling apprehension, your body's going to seize, seize up. And then I know Absolutely. that you and I also talked about the contingency plan, you know, not saying, you know, like the idea is it could start at home, but you don't know where it's going to end. Like, I always talked about because I, I had a home, I had two home births, and I would say, like, we're planning on a home birth, but even during it, I wasn't sure it would finish at home. Now I know yours were, yeah. were, were your first. No, first is only one so far, but <laughs> I'm already having you have a second kid. I want you back in class that quickly. But you know, um, it was pretty quick, so we can talk about that. But before we get to that, how did you prepare? Because it sounds like you did a lot of research and like deep thinking about where you want to give birth. And once you made that choice. How did you get your, yourself ready for the experience, as ready as one could be? Yeah, um, it's funny, like, to think back on what I did to ready myself. I, th I think I gave myself, like, 
a year and a half to two year runway. So it was like, I, you know, very much thought about home birth as being, you know, my first choice. And as anybody does in going through a fertility journey, um, you know, you start prepping your body for something that you're hoping to happen. So I just like very brief little bit of background. Like I, like many American women was on birth control since I was probably about 20 years old. Um, I'm currently 33. So that's at least 12 to 13 years of being on birth control. Um, and so I had some friends who struggled with infertility and also had had that lens on and wanted to prepare myself. If in case this were to happen to me, how would I, um, prepare mentally and also physically. So I found an acupuncturist who specialized in fertility treatments as soon as I got off birth control because I had prepared myself for, you know, maybe having a a long journey to get pregnant um, and really wanted to make sure that the house was in order so that, you know, you know, my hormones would come back in terms of like after birth control being, um, you know, on a, a regular cycle, that was one of my bigger concerns. Um, I hadn't had my period naturally for over a decade. And so that was one thing that it was one of my, um, like primary goals just to get my period once a month regularly. And so I was doing acupuncture just to regulate my periods for about a year before we even started trying. Um, and that was kind of where a lot of my, research in terms of being in tune with my body, what was happening with my body, um, and like, uh, things to do to continue to encourage the body to, um, get on a regular menstrual cycle. That was my first, uh, kind of foray into research and preparation. Um, and then the second was, um, I know I mentioned, like I was reading a lot. I was watching a lot of documentaries, um, but my doula was a really big resource in terms of preparation as well. I know that's jumping a, a big that's sort okay. of timeline. <laughs> um, but uh, acupuncture first, being in tune with my body, um, preparing for and like immersing myself in actually <laughs> a lot of podcasts. <laughs> um, uh, there's one called The Longest Shortest Time with Hillary. I Frank. love that one. Uh, I can't believe it's over. Yeah. <laughs> I felt I, I know, felt a little so abandoned. <laughs> Absolutely. I I loved Andrea Slenzi because she was also, um, I followed her podcast prior to her becoming the host to Longest Shortest Time, but really immersing myself in like parenting challenges and fertility challenges just to kind of like get in a headspace of like nothing is going, nothing generally goes as planned. So be ready for all of the potential outcomes. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was kind of the biggest shift in mindset I had, you know, um, kind of surrendering to, you know, what my body would, would do, um, given all the things that I was trying to mentally and psychologically prepare for. What a really healthy outlook on all this. I'm, <laughs> I, am, I mean, I'm telling yeah. you, I listened to the longest, shortest time for oh, probably over a year. I wasn't pregnant. Like I wasn't trying to get pregnant, but like, I really wanted to know what it was like before, so I wouldn't be like super shocked yeah. by anything that would come my way. So in, if you think about it strategically, like look at all of the potential outcomes and prepare for all of them yeah. <laughs> before like committing that, like, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. And it, I really want it to happen this way. And I'm going to pray and hope it and think it will. Um, I think that kind of just pigeonholes you into being disappointed. Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. All right. I want now to let's go into your birth. So we're going to take a super quick break and let's unpack your birth story. We'll be right back. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, so you did an amazing job thinking about what you felt safest with. You picked your team, you prepared. So lay the whole thing out for me. Absolutely. One of the things I forgot to mention in my preparation for my birth was um, making sure that I was comfortable with everybody that I chose to be surrounded by at a very vulnerable period of time, um, not only in, you know, prenatal visits, um, but also what I couldn't imagine then, but during labor, which is the most vulnerable time mm-hmm. that I've ever felt, um, being, uh, physically, emotionally, um, everything, your body just like totally opens up. So building your birth posse as, as you like to reference it as, but like really building a team of, of women that I was confident and comfortable with was huge in, um, preparing for my birth. I loved my midwife. Um, I really respected and loved my doula and the birth story you'll hear. I, I didn't really get to spend too much time with her. Um, but, um, I got to meet all of my midwife's assistants to know who might be there. Um, when they were on call, she had three, I got to meet them all and have conversations with them and to get comfortable with them. And then also, obviously my husband, I wanted my husband to be as prepared as I was for birth. Granted, I mentioned, I gave myself a year plus runway. Um, he probably had like, you know, the nine months (laughs) leading up to it. Um, but he was, uh, a huge support as well. Um, like, like, you know, Deb, my, (laughs) I saw you the day that my water broke and was just waiting for labor to start. Um, so I, my water broke on a Monday morning at three in the morning. It was the traditional gush that they, that like all of your textbooks or your, (laughs) uh, your birth preparation classes kind of, kind of describe, um, I woke my husband up. I said, I think my water broke. And he's like, okay, how do you feel? And we were kind of just in this space of, uh, checking in with my body. Literally 3am that happened. I was able to fall right back to sleep and I slept until like 8.30 or 8.30 8.30 the next morning and joined you did the her coffee. prenatal yoga Wait, did class. did you do coffee chat? Oh, I did, I did do coffee chat. I wanted to double check with you to see what you thought about nothing happening <laughs> for those five and a half hours. Because that's right. Because um, then there was like, so we did coffee chat. And then there was like that 15 minutes where I'm like, wait a minute, she's not in class. Did, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Between the end of coffee chat and the start of class at 10, um, I was talking to my midwife who I had texted with earlier that morning. Um, but she, you know, expressed, um, you know, not concern, but like that she in precautionary measures or in taking precautionary measures, she thought that this could be, um, what they call prom or the premature rupture of yeah. membranes. Cause nothing had happened for, um, at that point, seven hours, um, and had suggested I or prescribed a sonogram and a no stress test, um, which I went to get after class with you. Um, I do have to say that class helped put me into an even more calming space. Again, I talk about checking in with my body all the time, but I, I really do think, or for me, body awareness is kind of how I read, um, you know, how I'm feeling. Um, do I have stress in my shoulders and are my hips feeling tight? You know, things that we talk about every day in class. Um, but that really helped me get me in a kind of a Zen zone. Like I was in my, my normal routine. I felt good. Um, I was able to, you know, find comfortable positions and it was kind of like, you know, your real tryout or your, your real preparation for labor. Oh, right. Getting on all fours, circling my hips, um, using my voice, uh, understanding my breath were all great reminders because, you know, presumably like labor was imminent. Um, 
after class, they ended up getting that sonogram, the no stress test. They confirmed that the amniotic fluid levels were great and healthy for the baby. Um, the no stress test confirmed that the baby had great movement, but in fact, I was not experiencing contractions. And that was at probably 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, we came home. My midwife came by to check on me. Um, and to check to see if I was dilated. So that was my first experience with any vaginal exam. She did ask me before if I was comfortable with that. I said yes very vehemently because I wanted to know <laughs> like, if I was progressing and how far. Um, at 4 p.m., I was one centimeter, and I was 80% effaced. Um, and she was like, if, if nothing happens tomorrow, I, I really think you should get another sonogram and another no stress test. And I was like, what do you mean if nothing happens by tomorrow? Shouldn't something happen like in, in the next like 12 hours? Um, and she was like, not necessarily, you know, early labor, this whole process could take up to 54 hours. And in my mind, I was like 54 hours. This really got me on the edge of my seat. Um, my water broke, nothing happened. If I had to wait 54 hours for anything to happen, I, I probably wouldn't leave my apartment. Not that that would be any different from your general quarantine routine. Um, but having that uncertainty kind of made me feel like I was in for the long haul. Um, she had left at 4.30, um, and by 5.30 p.m., I was talking to my husband, and I was saying, like, I think I'm having cramps because, like, I'm feeling a little bit of tightness in my lower abdomen, and I can't really find a comfortable position to lay in. I was on the floor with my blocks and my bolster um, trying to find that, like, really comfy side-lying position mm -hmm. that... Um, you know, I always found in class and it was really just not doing it for me <laughs> at that point in time. And so that was at 5.30. I proceeded to get on all fours and do hip circles. I could not stay or I couldn't keep my body loose. I couldn't like move freely in a circular motion to find any relief. Um, yet for some reason I was still convinced that I was only experiencing cramps. <laughs> were they coming um, every few minutes? They were just constant. I was like, why can't I find a comfortable position? Like this works every time in yoga. Why is this not working now? And for some reason in all the research that I had done, I was under the impression that contractions were supposed to be felt in your full torso, like from top to bottom. And I was just, you know, so convinced that that's what a contraction felt like. Not only that, but a lot of, um, like birth classes tell you or, and, and things that you read, like, you know, you don't want to call, like call a false alarm or call the alarm or like pull the alarm too early. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I didn't want to be this. My husband and I, I think both didn't want to be that couple that was like, you need to come now. And then nothing have had, had happened. Um, but because the, the midwife was here early, like only an hour and a half earlier. And I was only one centimeter dilated. I was like, this, this can't be it. Um, fast forward like 15 minutes and I was like super vocal, um, really like channeling that mantra. Open throat, that open vagina. Us, open throat, open vagina. Yay. Um, I need to <laughs> no, get t-shirts made of that. <laughs> Seriously. Like that was what was going through my head because you know, I was using all the tools that was trying to find the sideline position, trying to be on all fours. Like at that point, like open throat, open vagina was the only thing that was kind of working in the sense that like I was able to find my breath and release in some regard. Um, but, uh, time seemed to freeze and I didn't know what was happening, but Steven, my husband had called, um, the midwife and the doula probably around six 30. Cause he was like, okay, these are not cramps anymore or these, I don't know what you're talking about. These aren't cramps because you can't move <laughs> and you sound like, like a touch uncomfortable. Know, guttural. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very guttural. Um, Bonnie, my doula had heard what I sounded like on the phone at that point. It was six 30. She's like, that's active labor. You should try to get Lena in the tub in your bathtub and run warm water on her back. It'll help her find relief. Um, you know, it took me 15 minutes to get from the bathroom to 
or from the bedroom to the bathroom because I was just in like writhing discomfort. (laughs) And, uh, we, you know, we couldn't find a, a break in between the waves of what were obviously contractions. Um, so by the time I got to the tub, the warm water on the back of my lower back felt great for, five minutes maybe. And then (laughs) it just wasn't doing the trick. So, um, in our birthing class, Steven learned a few massage techniques. So putting pressure on my lower sacrum and pushing, um, those, uh, the hip points, yeah, hip points together. Um, that worked for maybe another five minutes. And, and then I honestly don't, I wouldn't be able to tell you how much time had passed, but Um, I was like grabbing the edge of the bathtub, just like very vocal, um, with no breaks. Steven's like, tell me when a contraction starts. I was like, (laughs) I can't talk. I can't tell. I don't even know what's happening right now. Um, because it was so intense and so much sensation, I really couldn't discern the start or the end of a contraction. Um, I couldn't even discern like if there was any relief because, you know, my, uh, vocal reactions were like very loud and guttural. Um, but Steven describes, you know, the, the air quotes relief or the, the 30 seconds in between, you know, each of them, like my voice going much lower. Um, and I guess that was kind of like the, the valleys between the peaks. Um, fast forward. When again, did your I'm, midwife get there? Yeah. <laughs> Fast just forward. Curious. We, were, we, we were in the tub and I was like, Stephen, I think it's just going to be you and I, <laughs> I didn't say it that calmly. Um, <laughs> but I was like, at this point, like, it's just you and me. I feel pressure everywhere that they tell you, you feel pressure when you're going to have to push. Um, and so at that point, my midwife got here at seven 30, helped move me from the bathroom to the bed, to a sideline position. Um, when she arrived at seven 30, I was seven centimeters. So from 4 PM at one centimeter to seven 30, seven centimeters. Um, at 8 PM, she told me I was nine and a half centimeters. Um, at eight Oh five, my doula showed up. Can I just take a beat and, and acknowledge that because everyone, we talk a lot about vaginal exams. Your cervix is not a crystal ball because a lot of people would hear a oh, one centimeter, 80% and kind of be bummed and think it could take forever. But literally right. hours later, <laughs> you're in, in full yeah. labor than having your baby. So exactly. I love that example of it's not textbook. It really wasn't textbook. The big things that were running through my head were um, something I learned in our our birth class or one of the questions like our instructor asked was, you know, what have you, have you and your partner discussed what you, you might do in early labor? Um, because, uh, you know, you'll be experiencing contractions that are fewer or shorter and farther between you can still like talk through them, laugh through them. She even showed a video of uh, a woman in early labor. And we then spent a decent amount of time like discussing activities that we would do. Like she suggested um, baking a birthday cake for our baby. Uh, My husband and I were talking about like doing a puzzle. I had a thousand piece puzzle, like get ready to like, you know, relaxingly get through before my baby was born. And honestly, what was running through my head was like, this is not what they told me it was going to be. <laughs> they <like."> lied. <laughs> <laughs> this early labor, this, you know, all, you know, all of the stuff that seemed a little bit more like relaxed before active labor didn't happen. I went straight into active labor and I feel like transition came extremely fast because by the time 8 PM came, the doula had arrived I was already pushing and the baby was crowning. I was sidelining on my bed um, and she was born at 822. But what I do have to share is that of all of the, the intense sensations that I did experience in that short period of time, the pushing part was the easiest part because active labor was, you can't really, nobody really tells you what active labor feels like but we did so much pelvic floor exercise and like tapping into like how to make your pelvic floor feel like a jellyfish (laughs) or like, you know, you know, engage it and release Mm -hmm. it. And that is exactly (laughs) what I did every day and exactly what pushing felt like. 
Um, oh, I'm so glad so. to hear that. I'm really uh, glad to <laughs> no, I'm really glad to hear <laughs> the preparation. Thank you. No, I'm really glad to hear that you were able to be in touch with your body and and know that your body and babe were working together and not have a fear about what's happening. That's a really big deal. Uh, I think the fact that I was in a place that I was comfortable with, surrounded by people who I was also comfortable trust, with, yeah. and yeah, and and trust, um, and also having all the tools in my toolbox to re- and and you know being in tune with my body, um, the pushing is really like you know, all that ab work that we <laughs> discuss, and then the relaxation or like the yeah the relaxation is just letting the baby come back up and then pushing a little more to really get your everything ready to be fully stretched. (laughs) That is, that is true. And I want to touch on something you're saying that one of the main reasons I, besides I love chatting with you, um, have you tell your birth story is I, when you had emailed me, I could tell those few hours were wet and wild and crazy and, and intense. And oftentimes we hear just like the pain of labor, but you can be in great pain and not be suffering in a sense that you had a team that you trusted to support you. You could be vulnerable in front of them. You felt safe. And even though you were incredibly uncomfortable, there wasn't this overriding fear of like, oh my God, oh my God, what's going to happen? So I think that's something just to highlight that you really did all that work that you did really paid off. Not saying like birth is easy. Some people have that, but you had the support to help you through the challenge. Absolutely. And I would by no means call my very precipitous or rapid birth easy, but I would like, nor would I call it. A lot of uh, my friends had asked like, how painful was it? Like, because I didn't have any pain medications and zero interventions. And what I ended up describing it as, I had a, I have a friend who's due the first week of August, and I was like, I don't even know that I would describe the sensation or the intensity of contractions as pain. Okay. I've never felt anything like that before to be able to call it, to be able to call it something similar that I've ever felt. Like, honestly, what it felt like was like my back was opening up and my sacrum was opening like your bones yeah they are I'm like yeah they kind of are exactly (laughs) and that's that's what it feels like and if you want to put pain as the label on it sure but it's just so intense and if your bones don't really move in a short period of time ever and in this situation you know your baby is just kind of like opening opening your body it really I mean literally what it is like your sacrum actually flares back like it makes space I actually there's um a student that emailed in yesterday and her doctor saying you know you're 34 weeks and I don't think your body's gonna be big enough your she said your vagina's not gonna be big enough to have this baby and I'm like we don't know that. And so I had a conversation, I emailed back with a conversation like, that's why your pelvis can move. It's not a solid bone. It's three bones and it's meant to expand. And and literally the yeah. sacrum expands, like, like not the fact that the bone expands, but the space between the two innominate bones and sacrum create more space for your baby to descend. That's why birthing on your back can be a challenge to get that baby out. You're literally taking space away. So I'm thrilled to hear that you were able to listen to your body and let it open. Yeah. I was, I was fairly committed and, and confident in my body's ability, not to say that folks didn't say otherwise. My mother, my aunt, my grandmother all had C-sections for all of their children. And my grandmother had three kids. My mom had two kids. My aunt had one child. And I'm the first of my like maternal line in, I don't know, three generations to have a successful vaginal birth. Um, But what I do think in in talking with um, my mom and my grandmother and my aunt is that um, A, hospitals were, you know, the shiny new and safe thing in the fifties. Um, when my mom gave birth to me in the eighties, um, she said, you know, C-sections were popular and like relieved pain and like put women out of their suffering. So that was really popular. And what she said to me, the reason that she didn't have a vaginal birth, 
um, was because the doctor told her like her hips were too small. And one of the first things that my doula told me when we had our first, um, prenatal visit, uh, was that she stuck her fist in between my sits bones and, and was like, Oh, you, you definitely have room there. And that like built my confidence Mm. even more. She was like, this can, this is already like fairly wide. 10 centimeters will be no problem. And I was like a vote of confidence from somebody you trust is huge and helping you, or it was huge in helping me, you know, become even, even more confident that like my body had the ability to do yes. this. And the fact though, that you did have that family history on your back in a sense of, you know, you've probably heard it for years, you know, kind of unpacking that, oh, my, my, my family has C-sections that can really, exactly. you know, I talk about in class, I think you might've been there for that one class. I'm like homework, think about your family history and what you hear yes. mm-hmm. and how that influences mm-hmm. your confidence. And then when I got, I got really worked up about that email from my student that her doctor said that because like, I got really, I was on the bike this morning, like angry about that. I'm like, I have to do a whole podcast <laughs> about this because when you, when you do trust someone and they diminish your confidence, how do you have that confidence? If someone's, you know, someone that you revere is like, no, I don't think you can do it. It's really hard to come back from that. So I'm thrilled to hear that you had that support. And I then get angry when I hear others getting that support robbed from them. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about it all the time about, um, choosing your birth posse, mm-hmm. but I, I do definitely like a hundred percent agree with the fact that, um, you know, really put some thought into it and also like feel empowered to be able to do that for yourself. There's nothing that says that you have to stick with the provider that you've been with. I was with my OBGYN from the time I got birth control when I was 20 till I got pregnant and she confirmed that I was pregnant in my six week sonograms. So I was like 13 years with her. I liked her, but I didn't trust her with this experience that I had already decided that like I, you know, revered and like she, she didn't have, we didn't see eye to eye on, on, you know, the way that birth could be philosophies. Yeah. The birth philosophy. Um, she was very much about like keeping me safe and healthy, um, which I appreciated, but I, I also had the confidence that I could make those decisions or to choose people who would also feel or be in, in line with the philosophies that I had. Um, yeah, and then it just so, allows you to, when you're in labor, just go with it instead of have to kind of keep one ear on like what's being said, what's going on. Like that's not your exactly. job as a laboring person. To, no, your focus yeah. is only on, that's why on the road in front of yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> that's why, again, one of my weird sayings, that's why your posse has to circle the wagons around the birthing person. So they don't have to think about what's going on outside that circle. Like that's, they shouldn't cause that's can, that can cause labor to stall a bit. If you're instead of focusing on breathing and moving and going internal, if you're thinking, well, what's going on? What are they asking? What about, what might I have to do? What might I have to navigate through? So I'm, it's great that you really, you found the people that you could trust and then you, you opened up and, and you did it. So what's if, did anything surprise you about your birth experience that you're just like, I guess maybe how quick it was. <laughs> I'm yeah. answering that for you. <laughs> um, so I had heard about precipitous labor because um, a prenatal massage therapist had a precipitous labor and shared that experience with me. And I was like, wow, that sounds crazy. So I knew that it was possible and it was like, you know, two pages in the birth partner book that Steven had read. And he's like, yeah, but they don't focus on that being, you know, or, uh, something that was like very likely to happen. So I think the fact that, um, you know, I went from experiencing no contractions straight into active labor was very surprising. I think, um, what was also surprising to me was my uh, inability to move. I generally feel like I have control over my body. Um, and that was something that I, I really didn't have control over. I could not get myself off the floor. I could not get myself out of the tub. It was, there was just so much other sensation that was taking over that. Like, I feel like my, 
modality, my other like bodily modalities, like couldn't, um, be engaged because everything was focusing on, on pushing the baby out. So it made hundred percent sense, but that was also something that like, I don't think anybody, that wasn't something that any of my friends were like, you won't be able to move because you'll be in having such intense sensations. Um, that was surprising. (laughs) Other than that, I think, I think that was it. I, I mean, was, that's a lot. I was really, I think it's I was really is a lot that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was really hoping for like pain management relief from my doula and just the, the fact that it went so mm-hmm. fast. Like I, I didn't get to experience that. Um, but she was amazing during and after. So what? yeah, for, for everything that you could prepare for, um, those were the the two or three surprising things for me. What did you learn about yourself having gone through this experience? It's funny you asked that because I like right after birth, I'm not sure if nobody shared this with me, like right after birth, like I was shaking for like 30 minutes. I think like the, like when, when people tell you that birth is, a sort of trauma that your body goes through. I think that was, that was very much apparent to me when I didn't have control of what my body was doing afterwards. Um, but for those 30 minutes, I literally was in shock and like repeatedly had said to everybody in the room, like what just happened? Like I had, like, I couldn't grasp the magnitude of the, the last three and a half hours. Um, but what I learned is that, you know, like I said that I had some semblance of before was that, um, women are amazing. Your body is amazing. Like this is a super like woman type power to be able to, um, birth a human. And I think what I learned is, is that in fact is true as much as people told me that. And as much as I believed it, I didn't know it until, um, I gave birth to my daughter. One of our students said, um, she works a lot with men and she felt like a very male dominated area. And and she kind of felt badly about a lot about pregnancy, kind of hiding it. And then after she had her baby, she's like, this is my superpower. She's like, they can't do this, but I can. And I think that can really, we can own that. I think that's something really important. It's not something we have to ask forgiveness for or apologize for, but it's, it's pretty amazing what the human body can do. Like we talk about that in class, like your baby is growing and you're just kind of there witnessing it. And like your, the body is just so smart. Absolutely. And I think the pride that I have, um, is something like that, I think I learned to have, right. Um, the pride that I have to have had my or birth my child and also to be a mom, like that doesn't leave you ever. Mm. And I think that's one of the biggest things that like was eye opening to me. Um, and that I learned about myself. I learned that I can be proud of myself for a natural process that like all women go through, but I didn't think I'd have such deep pride and reverence and also gratitude for, um, all of the people who supported me throughout it. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, let's, let's talk about, you said about being the mom, I guess that's something that will forever be one of your many titles. How has postpartum been? Um, it's been, it's been great. Um, for the primary reason that I, I did do a lot of research up front and, uh, prepared for postpartum, um, a lot. Um, my acupuncturist, um, had introduced, um, the Chinese tradition of sitting in the month mm-hmm. to me, uh, very early on as an option, um, to really focus and, um, take time for my body to heal. Um, so I had spent, uh, some time interviewing women or Chinese women who practice the, the traditional Chinese medicine approach to what they call sitting in the month are also known as confinement, um, which is not very different from quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I actually have, um, or my husband and I have a, I don't, I don't know what I would, I don't know what the, the right translation would be 
for her, but she, I describe her as a live-in nanny to some friends, but she is a licensed acupuncturist. She is an herbalist. Um, she, in her family runs the deep tradition of practicing sitting in the month. And so her aunts have had, um, several women that they've helped heal through, uh, the 30 days after postpartum. Um, and she's also kind of been like a new parent coach to us. Um, so, you know, teaching us, um, how to change diapers, how to, how to, you know, read cries, differences in our daughter's cries for being hungry or being uncomfortable because of gas, um, or needing to change a diaper. Um, so post, I, I prepared a lot for postpartum. Um, we had, her name is Lily. We have Lily living with us, um, for, or we had her living with us for the first 30 days. Um, she, like I mentioned, is an herbalist. So, um, has been very focused on my body's healing, um, and, uh, cooking foods that are helpful to, um, what focused on the first week was detoxifying my body. Um, the second week repairing my body and the third and fourth, fourth weeks have been focusing on rejuvenating my body through traditional, traditional Chinese medicine practices, um, with herbs, with, um, specific warming foods for the body as well. Um, so it's kind of been incredible. It really sounds have... absolutely. I mean, I'm <laughs> listening to this and like, we had a postpartum doula who did a lot of that, but I mean, the fact that had someone live in who could do active, like I had a moment of like a little jealousy. I'm like, she has someone that can do acupuncture just at home. Yeah. Like there was that I, little bit I like, get, yeah. oh, I wish, but it's just, yeah. I wish that kind of support is available to everyone because it's so important to honor that transition out. Absolutely. I know in the birthing from within methodology, which I studied a lot, they talk about that labyrinth going into the birth and is just as much coming out. And that path needs to be honored. The, the rejuvenating, the detoxifying. And I'm, I loved hearing that. I loved hearing that you did that and you honored that because so many times we are back up and running. Like I look at my first birth and I was just stupid. I was just so quick and ready to take it all on and didn't slow down. And well, it's hard. It's hard not to feel that way immediately after because your hormone, like for me, like my hormones were like, I don't know if they were raging or they were depleted or what was happening in my little, body. They were going I, back and forth. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I felt like superwoman. I felt like I could do all the things, right. You got adrenaline running. Like I should clean the sheets. <laughs> I should clean the tub. I should, you know, I, I absolutely felt those things. Um, and so do not fault any women who feel like that after. Cause I was there and you know, when I had those thoughts, like there was somebody there to be like, not you do can't that. do that. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. Like your body was just opened. It should, it should, you should help it your, close. It, it should be closed. <laughs> you don't want to get on your hands and knees and spread some more, you know, just like, um, just gentle reminders like that, um, have been so helpful. And she's been incredible in terms of, um, reminding me to honor the process and honor my body. And, and also, um, you know, being empathetic in that, like, it's not easy. There are very traditional practices of, um, you know, not being exposed to water. Uh, so like not washing your hair, not taking a shower, not cleaning dishes, because I not did... touching wet laundry, not <gasps> oh. <laughs> just like several things. So um, you don't do sits baths. Cause I was taught to do sits baths after to help your perineum heal. So it's like, and, I guess you didn't do that. So the only, um, the only exposure to water that I can have is if the water has been treated with herbs yeah, it was treated to, with herbs. Have, to, yeah, to be uh transition to a warming quality. So I did have, I do have like a Frida Perry bottle that's full of like a warm herbal, uh, you know, liquid that, um, I did use for the first week. Um, but it's been mainly been a lot of focusing on like keeping my, hips and my legs as least spread as possible. So not, not sitting on my sits bones to like spread, um, too much. So doing a lot of like lying, um, so that sounds the really lovely. Of, like sitting in the lying and, <laughs> um, and also like the foods, um, that she's been cooking have helped my milk supply a lot. That's also something that like, 
I was surprised by in postpartum, like, you know, milk doesn't start flowing out of nowhere. Right. And so, um, and also your baby has to learn to latch and you need to learn to work with them. And that was a learning process for us as well. Like it is for all women, but that's something that like I, that wasn't really covered in my breastfeeding class in the sense that like, you know, there will be a period of time where you both have to learn to get used to each mm-hmm. other. Your baby just came out of the womb being fed through an umbilical cord and needs to learn how to use her, her mouth, mouth and tongue, to latch. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that like, I need to learn how to get into a comfortable position because holding stress in my upper body is not going to, you know, help the milk supply or, or just like ease the process for either of us. Um, those are big things that I, I learned and, and was frankly like, uh, you know, self-conscious and like stressed and scared about because I was like all the things that they talk about, like, is she getting enough? Is she losing weight? It, uh, you know, it's hard to not get in those cycles right. and not feel personally responsible <laughs> for, you know, the livelihood of, of your baby. I'm fascinated by what you just shared. And I'm thrilled that you did share that because I think it can be inspiring for others to, to take some of those practices. I actually want to have a podcast on that. I'm going to reach out to you later for her information. Oh, absolutely. I I was talking to her and I was like, are you comfortable with me sharing (laughs) on a podcast? And she's like, absolutely. Um, I'm going to reach out to her, but I just think it's so valuable. And I really commend you for listening to someone. Because as my husband often tells me, he's like, I could have told you those things, but you probably wouldn't listen. The fact that you had those kind of super power things, like I want to do this. And someone's like, maybe not. And you're like, okay. (laughs) I think that also takes a lot. You know, it can take a lot of self-control not to kind of be like, screw you, I'm going to do this. Um, So when you're like, when you're working with, when knowing that I made a conscious decision to do this, like I'm not, I'm investing 30 days into like, like, or the golden period is what a lot of cultures call it. Um, in, I think in Indian cultures, I listened to your podcast with Kimberly Johnson mm-hmm. and also read the fourth trimester. And she references a lot of these practices in other cultures in terms of healing and not being isolated and being surrounded by, you know, women either in the family or in your community. Um, I, that was a lot of re- like uh, some of the reading that I did to, lead me down the path of deciding to do this. I think it's amazing. Honestly, I think it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Cause honestly, like if you're, if you're going to invest in, you know, your own healing, not listening to the person who's telling you not to do something like I had like all of those feelings too. I was like, but it's my house. And like, <laughs> I can do laundry and I can, I can do all these things, but like her gentle reminders to say, like, I am here for your healing first and foremost it was, is huge. Like she's still here. Um, it hasn't even been 30 days. (laughs) Um, I think you really had such respect for those 30 days that it helped you when you had that urge, like, but it's my house. And I, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation about the respect of postpartum in our culture. Um, but the Mm. fact that that's part of the Chinese culture, it's part, you know, it, and you chose to honor that, I, I just love hearing it. And I hope that other people hear this can feel inspired to reflect on self-care. And I know word, the word self-care gets so overused, but it's such a healing part. Like you just said, you, everything was open. Like the way you describe labor, your back opened, your body opened, your, your bones opened, and then it has to have the same honor to bring it back in. Right. Absolutely. I love that you shared that. I, Thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to share it. And I, at first I was a little bit hesitant because, um, some people already have preconceived or some people don't know what, um, sitting in the month or confinement is. Some people have preconceived notions by doing Google searches. There's a lot of, I would say there's not traditional Western research done on it. So there's not stats and facts to back everything up. But, um, if you're looking for a personal experience or anecdotal or, um, anything like that, I'm happy to share, um, what, what the experience has been like for me. I would also say that this is probably, this is probably the most modern, um, confinement experience that, um, you'll find or read about or hear about because I, 
everybody has a different take. Different regions of China practice differently. In um, places like China, Singapore, Taiwan, they have um, confinement centers um, where women can actually go for the 30 days and be taken care of with their infant and, you know, be be fed and treated. Um, I think they have it in Israel. I feel if I'm remembering this correctly, I, someone told me they have that in Israel too. And I'm like, well, that just sounds fantastic. Yeah. Exactly. And so, so it is, um, practiced in, in other parts of the world. I think it's, it's a lot less common, um, in the States or in any, um, Western cultures. That's a shame, but that's again, that's another (laughs) whole conversation. (laughs) All right. We're going to take another quick break and we come back. What advice do you wish you had heard before you had your baby? We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. So what advice do you wish you had heard before you had your little person? Um, I think I mentioned, um, if you do decide to go the breastfeeding route, I think, uh, I mentioned that like your, your baby doesn't, your baby instinctually knows how to feed, but I think getting used to each other is something that I wish I learned. I, I generally am a calm person. I don't really get too worked up or try to like manage my stress, um, as much as I can. And I had like a total meltdown on day five when I was like, this is so hard. (laughs) And also just like, it took it, took it personally in a way that I don't know that like my, it's meant to be obviously like my baby doesn't dislike my boob. (laughs) Um, but I think like, you know, being aware that, it takes time for everybody to get used to, um, breastfeeding is natural. Um, and it's okay. And, you know, I think it's also hard for the first five days. And that's sometimes when, when folks say it's too hard, it's too stressful, we'll do formula or I'll just pump instead. Um, but, um, sticking to it is also very rewarding. Um, and comforting for your baby. So I wish somebody told me that. Um, That's yeah, good. That was something. I, and yeah. one more question before I start to wrap up. What would be one piece of advice you would like to offer new or expectant parents different from what you would wish you'd heard? Ah, advice. Um, I also mentioned this before, but I want all expectant parents to feel empowered about their birth choices. Um, home birth isn't for everybody. Uh, neither is a birthing center. However, if you are unhappy or uncomfortable with the way that your provider is talking to you or the suggestions they're making, don't hesitate to seek out a second opinion, regardless of, um, whatever route you go down. There are several providers where you can, you know, gather second opinions and, and, and so many folks that you could potentially feel comfortable with. Like I'm like all um, expecting the new parents to have a positive birth experience and to really be surrounded by people that they trust. I think it's easy to fall into, you know, listening to an authority type figure and doctors can be perceived as that. Um, but that's not to say that their word is the final word. Um, it's your birth, your body and your baby. Um, and you've got, you know, the choices and the power and the freedom to make, um, those choices that are best for yourself. Yes. 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 To everything. Yes. You know, (laughs) you know how I feel about autonomy and, and sometimes it's hard to, to take that autonomy and agency of your body. So I just love anyone that can share that information. The more other people hear it, I think it can start to creep in because it's hard. A lot of times you do put doctors on a pedestal and we're like, yes, whatever you say. And it's, it's, a, it's a relationship, you know, it, between you, know, you hire them for 
their medical support, but it doesn't mean that's the final word. So it should be a conversation. So thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Your body, your breath, your baby, your experience. That's all the things we talk about in class. Oh, Alina, this has been so fantastic. I really wanted as soon as I thought, I'm like, is it too early to reach out to her? (laughs) Thankfully, I have four hands or two sets of hands to help right now. So uh, there hasn't been a screaming baby in the hour. I know that's actually quite impressive. I was like, at one point I was like, wait, where is her child? I don't hear it. (laughs) This has been truly a joy. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your openness to share. I think whenever we can put positive birth stories, even those that have intense moments, especially those that have intense moments to see that you get to the other side and that it's not pummeling you. So thank you for, for your bravery, your honesty, and just, and your experience. I really, really appreciated this. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Thanks so much. This is like, like I said, been one of the first adult interactions I've had (laughs) since birth. And so I so welcomed it and was excited to hear from you. Thank you. All right. Be well. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.